I'm Jordan Goodman. And I'm Justin Goodman. We're third-generation insurance agency owners and also brothers. Even though we had the same upbringing, we see the world very differently. This caused significant issues in our early years, but we eventually embraced the idea that every coin needs two sides to be complete. In 2018, we launched our second company, Total CSR, with the aim of reducing new-to-industry onboarding timeframes from two years to two months. Since then, we've traveled the country speaking to thousands of agency owners and their teams, and we've come to realize two things. We all struggle with similar challenges, regardless of size and location, and oftentimes, we are too embarrassed to ask for help. The Independent Agent Podcast is our attempt to provide helpful answers to your most difficult questions, anonymously, of course. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Independent Agent. This is episode three. I'm Jordan and Justin's sitting right next to me. We're going to go ahead and get started. Justin, you got question number one? Yeah, the first question that we have today was from a agency owner who says, I recently hired an account manager away from a competitor of mine because of his expertise in our niche, but it's been a rocky start. He keeps refusing to follow our processes and makes a point of bringing up how the other agency used to do things. It's starting to rub my staff the wrong way, and I need him to fall in line with our processes. How do I get this guy to fall in line without creating an enormous amount of conflict so early in his employment? Maybe you should stop calling it fall in line. I don't know. That just sounds a little aggressive. I think it's one of those things where you just got to pull them aside and, and, and speak candidly to, hey, we brought you over from ABC Agency because we see your skill set and we value that. However, we have established processes that make us most efficient. And if you guys have suggestions, I mean, you should always be taking suggestions from your people. So there is a ton of time that Justin and I are sitting there and someone comes up with something and we'll entertain it and we'll possibly shoot it down or we'll put it to a vote. And Justin will probably speak to that because he's really the systems guy. But at the end of the day, sit them down, talk to them about, why you do things. I mean, that would also help me to know, hey, here's why we're going to do something and here's the logic and here's what we've tried before and why that's failed. And if you think you have a better opportunity or a better option rather, then let's lay it out and, and see if we can take it on in a different um, from a different viewpoint. But I don't know. Typically, I mean, I, I might be changing my mind as I'm thinking about this. If you haven't entertained what their ideas are from the other agency, you should probably do that first and let them give their feedback and then discuss their ideas. So don't just shoot them down. Um, and it, I hope you're not, but the fall in line language kind of you know, got me all razzed. So uh, just make sure that you're making them feel heard and known. Uh, and, and frankly, they may have some better ideas too. Um, Justin, why don't, why don't you take the rest of that one? Sure. So uh, I'm not as bothered by the fall in line language, but then again, I'm not a millennial. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk first. You're talking about you hired them for their expertise. Well, that's really a feature. That's not the benefit. So you hired them for their expertise because what does that do for your agency? And I always start there because 
you may say, I've got a person who left the agency and I'm trying to replace that spot. And the most critical thing for us is that we have the expertise to handle those large accounts. And so cultural fit may not be our top priority. Now, I, I still think it should be your top priority, but I, I think you have to, to digest that some as well. Um, the next question that comes to mind is, what was the onboarding process like for this individual? Did you, from the beginning, have a written process and procedure manual? That also on video, followed by a few days of shadowing so they knew exactly what was expected to, of them for your organization. Usually what takes place during that time is the discussion of how we used to do it at my old agency. And that's where the discussion takes place and, and maybe something is a better idea of how the old agency used to do it. But that's really where those discussions are are taking place. So just setting the framework there, I, I think one of the dangers you run into every time you keep bringing up the old agency, it's like the guy who goes home to his wife and tells her how great the ex-girlfriend was. It's just really, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, am, am I wrong? I don't know. I've never had that conversation. <laughs> Me neither, but it seems fitting in this situation. And so there's a time and the place and, and how our agency runs is anyone can always bring up a, an issue with a process and we can re-examine it. And in fact, every 18 to 24 months, we look at every single process in our agency and we evaluate if it needs to change. But if it's within that window and someone new comes on board and says, hey, I think it should be done this way, there is a discussion that can take place. The problem is if you're sitting around the meeting room and every single process, this is getting brought up and we used to do it this way and here's why, they are going to create a wedge between them, your team, and themselves. And ultimately, your team is going to look for you to make sure that they, uh, I hate to say it, fall in line with the agency procedures or explain why this other process was better. And and so I just think, um, you know, one, having the right on, onboarding program in place is, is key in this situation. But the other component of this is that frank conversation. I think you go directly to them and they are either going to jump in and understand that they want to be part of your culture or they're not. And it's better you find that out sooner rather than later. And so I would recommend you sit them down and you say, here's the onboarding process we had. These are our processes and procedures. If there's issue with that and you find a better way, there is a time and place within our organization to bring those issues up. It's not every week. So one, do you understand the impact you have on our staff when you keep talking about your ex-girlfriend, if you will, and how great she was? If she was that great, you would still be there, right? So you wouldn't have come over to our organization. <laughs> yes? No? I just, you, you, just, I'm going to keep it in my head. Uh, I'm just going just gonna to let that sit right there. <laughs> all right. So you have that conversation, and... Then you say, as far as the processes that we have and you following those processes, it's an absolute, meaning you get in line, you don't like the verbiage, I know, so you, I don't know, you you join our processes, participation medal, something like that, that makes them feel warm and fluffy if, if that, that verbiage works better for them, but it's, this is the way it is, or you can't work at this organization. 
And hopefully during the interview process, you talked about this and you just lay out the clear expectations. They have to follow them. If they don't get the person out of your organization, you can find another person, but you don't want them to be that poison pill within the organization because that'll cost you far more than hiring that next person. Yeah. I mean, and to Justin's point about getting them out, my mentor told us a long time ago and we're slowly getting better at it, but said, be slow to hire and fast to fire. Uh, and if the person's not working, don't, if you know it's not going to work, move on. Uh, there are so many great candidates out there, but it is one of the issues that you're going to face in hiring someone that's more senior, getting them to change their way. I mean, if they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s, they might be an expert and awesome at what they do. But if they've done it in the business for 20 years, a particular way, it's just going to be very, very difficult sometimes to get them to change that. And I think that, I think you got to look at yourself and realize, hey, you'd be in the same shape, um, shape, same condition if that were you too. So I think, I don't know, like as always come with grace, but you, you got to have the frank conversation and move on if you need to. I think that one's good. Cool. Which brings us to our halftime show. I have a new drink for you. Okay. Got to taste better than the last time. I think it's going to. I think it's going to. Okay, so what we're drinking today is a lot of people think of it as as a greyhound. It's a m- modification of a greyhound, okay? What's a greyhound? Grey goose, vodka, okay, and grapefruit juice. Okay, let me okay? stop you there cuz I heard a rumor after I got out of college that I could have just bought the Costco vodka. And that was like, you know, I I have I have a good friend who swears by it. It's like two dollars cheaper for a handle than getting kettle or Tito's, and kettle kettle and Tito's are the ones that I go for every time, depending on which kind of a drink I'm making. So I haven't tried the Costco, but it's not that much. There's not that much of a saving. So, uh, and and I usually don't buy Grey Goose just because I don't like the flavor that much of it. So ours is a modification on it. Okay, so we our friends call it uh, the Grapefruit Goodman, which it is grapefruit juice we muddle a ton of basil in it and then we use kettle for this one okay and then throw it over the over the rocks okay so i'm going to start making this uh it's going to take me a minute to make it so you're going to have to entertain people with some kind of commentary while i make this for you well let's start with uh the text i sent you this weekend in preparation um i was hoping to find some other uh choices for myself um, other than the Benadryl tasting things he had sent my way previously. Oh my gosh, you're actually... Yeah, so this is, this is fresh basil from our garden box at home. So that's going to go straight in there. And then you have to, have to, have to use fresh grapefruit juice. So usually we do, a, do it out of our press, but Albertson started doing um, this fresh squeeze where they'll, where they'll squeeze it every morning for you. So it's way less mess, way more efficient but you don't want pasteurized grapefruit juice. I can't stand pasteurized grapefruit juice. It's got that rubbery. Can we talk about your $3,000 coffee machine? (laughs) Oh God. Really? (laughs) The, the Millet or Millet or whatever. It's German. So if anyone's German out there, you can help me with that. He swore by it. I didn't swear by it. It was part of a remodel. You loved it for the first three weeks. Didn't you? I don't know that I ever particularly loved it. I loved the idea of it and it looks pretty. Hold on. I'm muddling. So I, I did see online uh, this weekend, back to my point, uh, it looked like like an online Jello whiskey that I sent Jordan, because I, I thought that would be fun to try. 
and uh, he sent me some not so nice memes back. The next one I sent him was the uh, what's it the vaporized alcohol drink, which he just thought was just what's the point? Like I, zero I, calories. I, I know, but it's fun to actually drink the drink, and it tastes good. And just keep it's social. How long do you have to muddle for a drink? The more you muddle, the more infused and the better it tastes. Make sure you use a flat muddler, though, on the uh, the basil. There's some that are that have teeth. Those are for citrus, so don't use that on the basil. Otherwise, it'll tear it up. If this podcast doesn't work out, you can just be a drink specialist podcast show. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Okay, so he... Oh, well, while that's prepping, here, here's your ultra. Again, for those playing at home, this is low-carb, tasty, and refreshing. You didn't even get a, for those who aren't watching on on YouTube right now, you didn't get a new bottle, or you drank a lot of it before getting here. We went to Costco yesterday and had a couple of drinks last night. <laughs> a couple? With yeah. friends? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Have I put vodka in here yet? No. No, you did not. So, as he's pouring that in, he didn't even measure um yeah, I've done this a few times. I don't need a measure. Uh, so one of the things, uh, just to, to wrap up on that that previous discussion we had, when you hire people, uh, we spend far too much time on wondering what they're going to do for the organization and not enough on how they are going to interact with the organization. So one thing I do like to do with our team is bring them into the interview process to see how well they'll mesh with our uh, potential new hire. And if it's clearly not a culture fit from the beginning, that's a good indicator that it won't be long term. Because the last thing any of us wants to be doing in this process is dealing with the inner office drama that sometimes occurs. So just for what that's worth, um, if that's not part of your process, we've seen great benefit in actually doing that. Is that actually going to make two drinks worth? Or are you just... Yeah, this is two drinks. It's a long time. You see how long it took to just open up a nice bottle of Ultra? It was nice and quick and I'll no problem. You. You'll like this one. If you don't like this one, man, this is the one we get requests for all the time. So what is this called again? Affectionately, the Grapefruit Goodman. All right, here all right. goes. It's all right. The shoulder shrug. It's, yeah, it's, it's all right. It's... It's light. It's refreshing. Uh-huh. That's about all I can say. I can taste basil. I'm not a real big fan of basil. Who doesn't like basil? This guy. <laughs> the guy who only drinks ultra doesn't like basil. If you were to sit down and spend the rest of this podcast drinking one drink, which would you do? The ultra or the grapefruit Goodman? I'm kind of mixed on this one. I, I could actually enjoy both. Pun intended. Mixed drink. <laughs> Well, we've derailed. <laughs> All okay, right. Moving so, on. Moving so, on. So, the, so did I win or no? I get a half a point? You'll get a half a point. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to try harder. Okay. So our, our next question comes in from, it looks like an account manager, and it says, I graduated from college several years ago and have been working at my agency since then as a junior account manager. I'm more of an introvert by nature, and I also don't like conflict. I'm struggling to deal with the customer when they get angry on the phone with me and I become flustered easily, which makes it even worse. Sometimes I just feel like snapping back at them, but I know that will get me into more trouble. How do I stop a client from bulldozing me while still being empathetic? Jordan? 
Didn't I start last time? Oh. You can go. Uh, sure. So as an introvert and also a number six on the Enneagram, I... Uh, Counterphobic six. Yes. Um, Google that later. There's lots of material on it. We are the best number. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. But anyway, I, I had a, a, a negative relationship with conflict for a long time, but ultimately I had to redefine it. And negative conflict is bad, but a lot of conflict can be good if there is obviously a, a fruitful result at the end of it. So the first thing I would say to you is reshaping your your view of conflict. My brother is an eight, and so he loves conflict. He's probably energized by that whole process. For sure. And for me, it's very draining. So the first thing you have to understand is that in a customer service role of any type, you are going to deal with conflict day in and day out. You have to be comfortable that sometimes it's going to have a negative outcome and sometimes a positive. Your goal is to create a positive one. Uh, the second thing, and what I think you're really trying to say is, I'm having negative conflict and it creates anxiety for me. I feel overwhelmed on how to handle this angry customer. And at the same time, I don't want to lose my job because I snap at them on the phone. So my candid advice is, is a couple things. One is you've got to, to be empathetic, you got to try and put yourself in their shoes. So you've been in a spot before where you've been upset or frustrated, and it doesn't feel good to be in that space. So if you were a friend and your other friend looked upset and frustrated, you'd probably ask him what's going on and listen to him and try out, draw out what was really behind the issue for them. You would also then discover if you had any part in that. And even when you didn't, you can still feel sorry that they're, they're struggling with that and communicate that in, in the discussion. Uh, but, but further than that, if you, if you take the focus off of yourself and say, how do I bring comfort to the person who's in a discomfort stage, if you will, or angry, then, then it's more empowering to you versus feeling like you're threatened. And so I would spend the time probing to find out what the issue is and really just trying to to step-by-step step get the information you need so that you can, A, solve the problem right away for them if it was, let's say, a certificate issue that was done wrong, or if it's something that you have to go back to a carrier or a manager to get approval on, you can do that as well. But let's just say they keep cutting you off and are dominating the conversation. There's a couple tactics out there that you can use. One is you can say, excuse me, I need to slow the pace of this conversation down a little bit because I'm trying to take notes and I want to make sure that I solve your problem. And if, if we're going at this pace, I think I might miss something. It makes it more about you. And at the same time, as a subtle reminder to that other person that the intensity by which they're bringing is a little too much for the situation. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. The other thing you can do is to really inform them of how you work best and say, look, I can tell you're frustrated and I be hopping mad. You, you, you go one level above them. If this happened to me, if they said I'd be frustrated, you can use the word angry. And what happens is the natural human response is to balance the other way. So if they say upset, you say angry, then they're going to come back and be like, well, I'm not really angry. I'm just, I'm really like agitated or something. You say, okay, well, great. Well, I want to hear you. But the way I, I work best in the situation is if you tell me the problem, then I'm going to look for an answer, research it, get back to you. And so you might handle it that way. At the end of the day, though, your job is to not lose your cool because you're not only representing you know, yourself in this equation, you're representing the agency. 
and you don't know whether that person's a decision maker or not, influences the decision maker, and your momentary need to let off some steam does not trump your responsibility as an account manager in that situation. And so uh, those are my initial thoughts. Jordan, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're pulling from some of this, but my initial thoughts are go read that Chris Voss book, uh, Never Split the Difference. It's uh, It has a whole bunch of... He was an FBI... A hostage negotiator. Hold on. I, I probably am stealing from it without knowing it. Well, yeah, because he's got really good stuff. Uh, go read the book. It's really, really good, but he's got several tactics. And one of the ones that you were saying is about, you know, if he said they're frustrated, say you're really angry, uh, excuse the language, but he has this one thing where he's saying, if someone's saying something, just go over the top and say, look, I'm an asshole. And they'll go, well, no, 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 you're not an asshole, right? So just, it's that same concept, but He's got a few things in there. You know, at the end of the day, people want to feel understood and feel known. And so if you have the conversations for things like, he's got a few tactics in there. He calls it like one of their Jedi mind tricks where you you repeat the last three words of what people are saying and they feel all of a sudden like they're really known. So if they say, I'm really angry that you didn't get this done on time and you just say, yeah, I, I understand that you're frustrated. We didn't get it done on time. Just saying those things back to them reinforces it. And then he has a tactic uh, that, that he uses where he says, it seems like. And so he always su- suggests that you say, hey, it seems like you're really frustrated, or it seems like you wish we could have done better, or it seems like you think your price should be lower. And then they can come back and they either correct you and say, no, that's not what I meant, and say, oh, I'm sorry, it just seemed like that. Or they can agree and, again, feel understood and known. That's what we are trying to do. He also has this really cool one. He's got a couple of different voices that he recommends where he, he's got, you know, you should always be the, the kind of fun, playful, joyful voice. But this sounds like it gets pretty serious. And he, he recommends really taking it to a late night DJ voice where he says, bring it way down and low and slow and really trying to get the other person to kind of calm down via your tone on the vo- your tone of voice. So there's just different uh, strategies that you can use without even doing anything like without you even resolving any of their concerns there's just tactics you can use so i would recommend if you have some free time maybe you know an audiobook on the way to and from work or just read it when you get home he's got a lot of really cool stuff in there so that's chris voss never split the difference i think he's a lot smarter than i would be at that so <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know that i have a better answer than to go read his book yeah and the only thing i would add is sometimes no matter what you do you are going to have to get a supervisor involved in the in the process and we've we've had a situation recently where a customer made one of our account managers almost to the level of feeling unsafe on the phone and there, there's never a reason for that and we won't tolerate that in fact we'll So t- we drove down to his office no 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 we didn't drive down to his office but we clearly terminated the relationship with that client and it may sound like an extreme thing to do but your team needs to know that you support them and that you're not going to tolerate them being spoken to in that way it's one thing if a client again is frustrated they're uh, you know upset and they may let out a few choice words it's another thing really making one of your staff members feel less than and taking it out on them to such an extent and so if that is the case you are well within your your bounds to say 
This is an unproductive conversation. What I'm going to do right now is put you on hold and get my supervisor on, or we're going to call you right back. And if they keep yelling at you, trying to talk over to you in that process, say, excuse me, I'm going to get somebody on and I will come right back and excuse yourself from that situation. It is always better to do that than continue to subject yourself to that type of treatment. And I think your agency owner would be supportive of that. Yeah. And also, I mean, you probably can't do this as the account manager, but if you're a producer or an owner, if you've never fired a client, you should probably look into firing some clients. I think I've done it two or three times. And it's those who are difficult and hostile and problematic. If they're causing problems for your account managers, there's nothing that makes your account manager feel like they're on your team and they are cared for by you than saying, hey, we don't tolerate this behavior and therefore we're not going to continue to do business with them. And it might seem harsh and you don't want to lose the revenue. But also remember, you need to protect your people and not only protect your people, you're helping the insured out because if they're doing it with you, they're doing it with 20 other people. And it's like the bully on the playground. If no one ever knocks him in the nose, he's only going to go on further in life uh, to do the same thing. So I'm just a fan of when your clients kind of suck, fire them. Well, on that note, (laughs) I I will mention I have grabbed this glass a couple more times than I have my Ultra. And I don't know if it's due to the fruitiness of it, the like I'm having some candy or or, or something, but uh, you know, it gets a half point today. If this is only going to be a half point, I don't know what will ever get me to a full point unless I'm training your palate because I'm good with that. But I have a couple of thoughts in there uh, for future drinks and I'm just not sure like if if I can't win you over with this one, it's going to be an uphill battle. A half point is a win, right? Like it's like <laughs> okay. explaining to a millennial that a B is a good grade. Who thinks a B is a good grade? Well, that's that, what that's all you could ever get. I actually, <laughs> D's get degrees, <laughs> but D's, D's do get degrees. <laughs> uh, I had one of those in senior year to get my degree. I don't know. I think we've we, we've about done this episode out. Anything else? That's it. Just, uh, again, we thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And uh, hopefully he can earn that point next time. Perfect. Have a great one, everyone.